Welcome everyone to episode three of the Really Big Fan Podcast. I am your host, Chizuk. I am joined as always by my faithful co-host and wife, Acronym. Hello, hello. And uh, we are back for uh, our third episode and our first episode with an actual guest. Super excited to talk to our good friend Mike Pandoff of the Two Guys One Lightsaber podcast about his love of Star Wars. So uh, before we get into that, let's uh, let's start the morning the way we always start the morning. How are you doing? How's your coffee? Coffee is doing good. It's it's kicking in. It's kicking late. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'm only allowed to have it up until you know this once this cup is finished. I'm not allowed to have any more. So. That's going to be fun. <laughs> That's going to be rough. That's going to be rough. You usually have so much caffeine in your system. We like to joke that whenever we go someplace and you don't know where you are, you can find at the Starbucks mm-hmm. anywhere. They don't need the GPS to do it. Nope. <laughs> you just know where you can see. You can sniff it out. You're like Scooby-Doo. I'm like, find, find a Starbucks, Amy. Find a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, we are back. We're uh, here to have a good time, and uh, we're gonna kick the show off the way we always do with some headlines. I have to actually get my laptop out for this week's headlines because <laughs> I couldn't memorize everything. So give me just a moment. Well, while he's pulling that, I will start us off with some headlines. Absolutely. So we have two birthdays today in our nerd realm. We've got Tim Curry, which is, not to give too much information about myself, is probably my sexual awakening as Hexus from Fern Gully. <laughs> I think a lot of people had a sexual awakening with Fern Gully, not necessarily Hexus. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and, um, you know, a lot of people just have their sexual awakening with Tim Curry in general. because it's true. You know, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I- I'm sure there's somebody that wants to be with Pennywise. Kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> um, so that was the first one. And because we are in a Star Wars episode, it is also Hayden Christensen's birthday. So whether you whether you like Anakin Skywalker or if you don't like Sand, you have something to agree with. <laughs> And last one on my plate was that right before we got started, we were a little late because my ass was looking at the Foo Fighters' new song. Yep. So they have a new song out called Rescued. They're also dropping a new album on June 2nd. And uh, the first song, we kind of discussed it before we got started and kind of sounds like a culmination of every good Foo Fighters track shoved into one. Yeah. But we're on different pages on how we feel about it. I think it's awesome. And I'm You're like, kinda... it's fine. It's fine. I think it's colored a little bit by uh, we were talking yesterday about the new Metallica album and how neither one of us really found a lot to enjoy, unfortunately, in the new Metallica album. So maybe that's coloring my my perception of it. But I just, I'm listening to it and it's like, you just took parts of like seven different Foo Fighters songs and, and made it new Foo Fighters song out of it. Like, it almost feels like uh, a, a song made by Algorithm. Yeah, I could I could see that definitely, but I do, I do think, like, for that that old school Foo Fighters, like, it sounds like classic Foo Fighters to me. Okay. Which I feel like is why, like, coming out with a track like that, it's almost like solidifying, like, we're still here, we can still do this. Yeah. And I was discussing with Chuck about that I had listened to The Storyteller, which is Dave Grohl's book. Sure. And I'm kind of in the camp of I feel like Dave is doing that. I need to keep going or I'm going to stop thing. So, you know, I can see that. 
I think like for for me, I always like when they do something that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to remember which album it was. It might be the album that you actually were were saying that like you weren't a big as big a fan of. Mm-hmm. But there was yeah, Medicine at Midnight had Cloud Spotter and um. I swear there was another one. I swear there was like two songs on there that I was like, oh, this is a little different. I like this kind of thing. But maybe it's just Cloud Spotter that was a little different that I was like, okay, cool. I mean, like Shame Shame's kind of different. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Concrete and Gold because La Da and Make It Right are both like, like kind of something new, which, right. is, which, is, which is kind of fun. Well, and I think I misspoke too because Wasting Light was the album I wasn't completely jazzed about because I wasn't really into Rope. White Limo was all right. I do, you know, I really love Alandria. Right. These days is all right. But like everything beyond that, like I'm not into walk. And that's what I was saying. Like that that album to me has a a, a perfect side A. Yeah. It's like I love White Limo and I love Alandria. And, and like every, every song one after another is just like, this is great. This is good stuff. What's really interesting with our music conversations in this house is you have a couple different things going on. Like you have music writer, music player sure as far as the radio stuff yeah but also musician non-musician right and then there's different things like there will be times where we'll be talking about something like another legacy band like radiohead mm-hmm. and you go into the idea of like i like when they start to gravitate away from the guitars a teeny bit right but there's like a three album section that i really like you hate in rainbows and i love in rainbows i don't know that i hate in rainbows it's just that it's it's like doesn't do anything for me i don't know that there's a radiohead album i hate but i know that there's definitely albums where i'm like not a lot of guitar in here there's not a lot of there's not like catchy choruses or anything which is your hang up with smashing pumpkins if there's a smashing pumpkins album with no guitar he's not interested smashing pumpkins is my favorite band but billy has uh not been very guitar based for probably a decade or more now and you know what that's i i am uh i am old enough to say that i would never tell an artist they're not allowed to do what they want to do uh, but you know, just, just cause you're doing what you want to do doesn't mean I got to show up if I'm not enjoying myself. So that makes sense. So as we're talking about music here, we'll segue into, you had a headline about Jack Black. Yes. So we talked last week about the Super Mario Brothers movie. We were both big fans of it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Jack Black's song from the Super Mario Brothers movie, Peaches, is in Billboard's top 100, entered at number 83. It's the first career solo song to appear on the charts. And apparently he is going to be up for an award for it. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't remember uh, which. It's, it's one of like the movie awards where they like best yeah, song. Yeah, best song. But yeah, Jack Black's Peaches, which if you haven't seen the video online, is really worth seeing. I think Very isn't, funny. isn't that Jordan Peele that directed that too? I somebody somebody directed that. Somebody, somebody no, yeah. directed that. And now it like, and the thing is, is it's catchy. It's not the best song in the world. But it is so catchy that it will not leave your brain. I, for right. probably like four days, all I could think was peaches, 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 peaches. And the peaches, thing is, peaches. because he's the tenacious D guy, when it was going on in the movie, all I could think was like, how dirty would this song be if it wasn't in the Super Mario Brothers movie? <laughs> so it was Cole Bennett, which is Chance the Rapper's younger brother. Okay. I believe I believe he that is Chance the Rapper's younger brother. He also raps himself. I also feel really bad for all the parents of children who are going to see the Super Mario Brothers movie are going to be singing Peaches for, you know, the next couple of months and then are going to discover Tenacious D at a very young age. <laughs> 
like Tenacious, I was already close to 30 when Tenacious D's first album dropped. So like sitting in the bar and putting fucker gently on the, on the jukebox and all of us singing along to it was like an adult thing. I can't imagine having like a 14 year old memorizing the words to that song. Our gap in age, Chuck does not look as old as he is. I do not. And, uh, I am 11 to 12 years younger. A 10, thank you. Uh, I am... A full, just a 10. This is a full 10? It's just 10. Uh, how old are you? It's just 10. I'm not. Ta- we're not talking about this on the air. We're not talking about... <laughs> you were 10 years younger than me, but we were both of age, and we uh, met when you were of age. And, uh... Yes, I was already well into my 20s. Exactly. Anyway, um, the reason I say that is because Tenacious D hit with us when we were, like underclassmen in high school yeah and like i that that comes from emily which should not shock you at all my friend emily is so goofy and uh it was one of those things where i was just like at the time i think i took myself too seriously when it came to music when it came to like like emo music and everything else i was like no i listened to real music because i had this thing a hang up about the darkness i thought the darkness was a fake band and everybody was like, no, the darkness is the shit. And I'm like, no, they're just shit. I have since <laughs> changed my stance on this. I, I love the darkness now. but Yeah, so uh, Jack Black, due to get himself a solo, a solo award for some some singing. Actually, I, I remember when it happened in the movie, I was like, well, if you get Jack Black, you got to give him a song, yeah, right? Absolutely. No, he's, he's a good singer. And his outfit. His outfit in the video is awesome. He's He's even got an eyeliner. He's like going full Jack Black on the piano, and it's mwah, I love that man. How old is Jack Black? <laughs> I don't know, but he is very prolific on TikTok, or at least he was during the pandemic. I have seen that man do so many weird things, just wearing his underpants. It's true. <laughs> no, he he definitely was a student of um uh like Chris Farley. Chris Farley's physical comedy. <laughs> Jack Black is fifty three. Fifty three years old. 53. He is so goofy, too. So, yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen the Mario movie, go see it yet. I know we briefly discussed it on uh, one of your streams while you were playing Zelda about yep. the audio cues and how oh, yeah. Nintendo is so good at making sounds in music that sticks with you. Which Nintendo, Nintendo takes a lot of boxes when it comes to making video games, which is why they're so successful that, uh, that you know, are universal. But I think one of those boxes that people don't talk about enough is their uh sound production and how between sound effects and music cues that they uh that they have so many franchises that have so much sound effects and music cues that are now universal to all of us like all of us know if you hear the yoshi voice or if you hear the coin from super mario brothers or even some of the music drops from legend of Zelda, like they used in um Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. When at the, at the beginning, like, you know what that's from and you know, like, what it indicates kind of thing. And that's always fun. When we were talking about the Nintendo part of it, and it was like even some of the other games that were created under other groups like Rareware, like, I feel like I know those noises really well. Yeah. It comes from like Donkey Kong and Banjo Kazooie and all. At. Right, it makes me makes me wonder when a third party does take over a Nintendo property, how involved Nintendo is in specific uh, parts of making that game. If they if they are like really involved in the in the music and the the sound production, and they're like, no, that's not that's not iconic enough yet. We need something a little bit like like what if we do something like this, and then they bust out something. 
and yeah. they give you the best underwater level music of all time. Yes. Right. <laughs> Speaking of Nintendo, the other uh, news story I got here for for you is uh, from Japan. It's about the Pokemon Pokemon Company who just dropped a new set uh, on April 14th. That is, um, it's called Clay Burst and Snow Hazard. So it's kind of like the video games where there's like essentially two sets and you get packs of either set and have uh, some fascinating and uh, highly expensive cards already in them. And the Pokemon company says that they are completely sold out of cards right now. They have to go back to the printer and print more of these cards because over in Japan, it is so huge. And I'm sure people are importing it as well. But uh, according to this article I've got on Kotaku here, there's initial quotes for cases of Clay Burst and Snow Hazard are going for $3,600. Yikes. Um, And there there are some, uh, like I said, there's some crazy cards in here, like a special illustration rare card. Um which a YouTuber uh, says is the most expensive card they've basically ever seen. So you know, like, half of that order went to Logan Paul. Logan Paul just trying to, <laughs> yeah, get the most expensive so he can wear it when he goes to the WWE ring. Yep, yep, with his photoshopped re-signing photo. Yeah, exactly. Hey, word to the wise Logan Paul, edit the bottle to not say blue raspberry if you're going to change the color of the bottle. Just throwing that out there. Because that's glaring. I don't, I don't so when he, what that's so to. for WWE, Logan Paul announced that like, oh, I resigned or whatever. He edited the photo or had somebody on his team edit the photo from his first signing. Okay, and just changed the color of his jacket and the <laughs> bottle of his energy drink or whatever the hell that is. Right. But the person that photoshopped the photo and changed the colors from him wearing a blue jacket and the blue bottle, right. changing it to a yellow bottle and a yellow jacket, did not clear off the part that says blue raspberry. There's no yellow blue raspberry in that drink. Oh, okay. So the person that photoshopped it left it there and then he got called out and he's like, I didn't photoshop it. See, Stephanie wasn't there the first time. Something tells me they're underpaid and was having a good time making Logan Paul eat shit. Oh, broken Paul so much. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to cover our headlines for uh, this av- this episode of, uh, I almost said the old show's name, this episode of the Really Big Fan Podcast. first time you do that. Right. <laughs> so uh, we're going to come back in just a minute with our interview with our special guest, Mike Pandoff. He is a huge Star Wars fan, as indicated by his co-hosting of an ep- uh, a podcast known as Two guys, one lightsaber. Which is not a porn. Not a porn. (laughs) We're going to talk to him about his love of Clone Wars and the Star Wars franchise in general when the Really Big Fan Podcast returns. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. We've got our first guest for, uh, for the podcast here in our third episode. Today, we're going to be talking about one half of the two guys, one lightsaber podcast, and that is our buddy, our longtime friend, Mr. Mike Pandoff. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, I was joking with you yesterday. I'm like, are you sure you want me on? I, I, are you sure? Because, well, you've had both of us. So great. I know. You've had both of us on your podcast multiple times, and I didn't want you to find out we had a new podcast and didn't have you on first. Well, I you know, it was like, no, we have to have Mike first. Mike has like been through all of this with us. <laughs> my mediocre podcast would not exist probably if it wasn't for the three of us becoming friends. I give you guys a hundred percent credit for that because Chuck let me come on and I yeah. saw it on. 
our Star Wars episode is still one of my favorite ones I would go back and listen to to see where I could take notes from of where I've grown as a podcaster. So sure. I'm very thankful for you guys for everything you've done for me. It's been very nice. And I doubt I would say uh, download that while you can still get it because who knows when they're going to take it down. But (laughs) Uh, we wanted to have you on because, like I said, you've got your own podcast about Star Wars. And I figured it would be appropriate uh, given the timing of all the trailers we got to see at Celebration, given the fact that as we record this, there is one more episode of The Mandalorian. And um, given the fact that you do a Star Wars podcast, that we talked to you about your love of Star Wars, Mike. Uh, let's let's start at the very beginning. What is your first memory of Star Wars? Oh man, I love these kind of questions. Uh, my favorite thing was, and it's still ingrained in my brain. I don't know when I started doing it, but like when you ask me, like when did you watch first Star Wars? I used to have these plastic chairs that if you flip them down, they kind of look like you know flying an airplane, and that's just my memory growing up. Like. Whenever Luke would do that trench run, I would throw this chair down at this angle to make it feel like I was flying something. And then we got, you know, a computer joystick. So I would put that between my legs. Yep. And I would put on this old football helmet to make it like, that's just my love of Star Wars, man. Like, I don't know the first time I watched it. I just always known it. And that's the perk of having a brother 10 years older. He introduces you to that and then Saber Private Ryan. You're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) There is a vast gulf between Saving Private Ryan and Star Wars. Oh, I know. He went from 14 to 18, Chuck, so I was eight. Yeah. Well, let's watch this. But it's just one of those things, like, I'm so glad that there was, like, you know, that 10-year gap between Revenge and then, you know, you just had Clone Wars. And it's really cool now seeing, fan like, people that grew up loving it, like Filoni and Favreau, especially John Favreau, making what we love and doing, I think an excellent job of it. And you know, it's been missteps, but I've, I'm appreciative of Star Wars. Okay. If Marvel didn't exist, I don't know what I would have been watching. Probably a lot more Scorsese movies growing up in Tarantino. But <laughs> who knows what kind of degenerate you would be now. It was just nothing but Scorsese and uh, Tarantino. A little Kevin Smith in between that. Do you get some Lord of the Rings in there? You like Lord of the Rings too. <laughs> I've actually never seen Return of the King all the way through. I always stop at Twin Towers. I've never finished Lord of the Rings. It's too tall. Like, oh no, you like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. That's what different ball game. I got it mixed up. <laughs> I was going to say maybe it's maybe it's like how you watch Hannibal that he only watches the first two movies and refuses to watch the third. <laughs> I refuse to watch the masterpiece of like one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Yeah. Right. You know. (laughs) So what was, what was your first Star Wars movie? Was it the original 1977 Star Wars? Yeah. My, um, I grew up in the house. Like I said, I'm so thankful for being an accident baby. Uh, I grew up with like, I saw the version. I grew up with the version where Han shot first. I had that old of a set because my brother was born in 84. So, you know, like, and then I remember having the gold edition where, uh, you know, they added all this garbage CGI and Tatooine left Empire alone, except for making Cloud City more beautiful. So that's what I kind of grew up on, uh, was that. And also the one where George Lucas did this weird British interview before each movie where he'd be like, it's poetry, you know, it's supposed to rhyme. And that that's what I kind of grew up with, with that kind of stuff. And it was really, it was cool. Like, and then uh, my first one in theater was my uh, late grandma, Lori. She took me to see Phantom Menace in the theater. And I was like, or at the time, one of the coolest things I've ever seen a Star Wars movie that good. You had a much better uh, first Star Wars in the theater than I did. My first Star Wars in the theater 
Similarly, when I was probably about four years old was Empire Strikes Back, and I didn't even get to Yoda. Dagobah scared the hell out of me as a child. <laughs> Honestly, I would love to reset my brain to like, I don't know, like if you be, I'd be more intrigued to see what I'd feel like about it, like when I was eight and not four, because four is just cool, you know, it's space wizards with sword. Right. That's why like I, April 28th, they're released, re-releasing the 40th, uh, uh, sorry, re-releasing Return of Jedi for the 40th anniversary. And I'm very curious to see, I, well, I want to see it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I do too. I'm totally with you there. And that poster is fire. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. That's why Star Wars means so much to me. Like taking my brother to go see Force Awakens on premiere night at the seven o'clock showing the night before it releases. And he's just like in awe of everything. Um, I, You guys were there for Rise of Skywalker too. Did you meet my brother that day? I think so. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I got, to, I got to see the whole sequel trilogy with my brother too. I took him like, I would see it at the Rift. But like Rogue One and Last Jedi, we saw together. You're like, I'm like, yeah, I want to see this with you. And it was really cool doing that together. And he will never live it down. Like, yeah, my brother took me. Uh, someone, yeah, mainly because someone tried shitting out Force Awakens and he was so happy for it. He's like, you're like, it's just a little whole reboot. He's like, what's wrong with that? Enjoy the move. It's Star Wars. And that's like, our pain. Screaming at like some nerd, and I'm just like, oh gosh. Well, that's the argument is that it's like there's some people that it's like they watch Star Wars and then they're mad about the outcome so much where they have such high opinions for what they think Star Wars is supposed to be. But in turn, there's like a group of us that's just like, I just want more Star Wars. There's nothing wrong with more Star Wars. Right. Huh? No, I agree with that 100%. And that's why, like, as soon as you read, like, I kind of hit you up. And I still kind of want to do, like, a podcast where I strictly talk about movies that are five years old or older. Because I'm getting so sick of the constant criticism of Star Wars. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I kind of want to put myself in my own bubble and just be, like, away from it all. But then what happened last night in Mandalorian episode, I've been happy all day. I literally, uh, because the TikToks have been fire for that moment, and I'm just so happy with it. And then people are hating. I'm like, I'm sorry. Bo-Katan is one of my favorite effing Mandalorians I've ever watched. If you watch Clone Wars and Rebels, and you've been a Filoni kid or person, this is the ultimate payoff for you right now. Because we're about to get live action Rebels. That is so cool. And Filoni is the heir to the throne. He is throne. He is heir to the Empire. (laughs) Now, aren't they rumoring that he's taking over instead of Kathleen Kennedy? I don't want him. Like, if as long as he, I kind of want him just to be Kevin Feige. Hopefully, maybe like, um, you know, remember Alderaan. Um, the thing is, I hope he that kind of like what they're doing at HBO. Actually, if he's in charge of creative and is like, hey, I set the tone for everything, and especially with them setting up this timeline at Celebration, you know, where we got clear errors and you can tell one-off stories. Yeah, let him be in charge of that kind of stuff. Financially, no. I don't. He doesn't have that kind of like liberal experience. Now, if you want to give that to Favreau, yeah, you have to like let them split it. We just said because even though the rumors had been a lot that Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy were crashing, shocker. Um, no disrespect to her, woman literally has accomplished so much. I think she just has fumbled the ball here a lot. Uh, if that's true, then it kind of sucks, and you kind of had seen that in uh, Mandalorian, so it, it would be cool to see them take over together. They seem to have a great relationship. How do you feel about this whole thing where they're kind of going like, okay, well, we're not going to focus as much on Din as we are just the Mandalorians as a whole now? Okay, you guys are going to think I... Well, 
awesome being single bachelor i been, um i think it was like after episode two and i started hearing the complaints because i hate the runtime of mandalorian yeah for like a week i binge watched uh mandalorian one two and then the book of boba fett episodes and it all lines up everyone's like Din hasn't had char- character development you've had te- like t- almost 20 episodes of character development i mean no dinger and us he's a guy who got killed or whose family got killed in front of him during uh Clone Wars. He got found by foundlings. He has purpose now. There's more to grow out of him with Grogu as Grogu grows. Oh, Grogu hasn't had development at all this season. He's been training as Mandalorian, learning lore, remembering his past, and also the Valid Vizsla's kid in combat once he realized, I know what I gotta do. And them adding this little voice mechanic for him, I'm seeing more character growth than I... I, I'm sorry, guys. This isn't Game of Thrones. But it does suck. Oh, sorry. No, I was, I was just laughing. It's like now you, you, they've given Grogu the character growth of saying yes and no. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like the mannerisms of like how he uses it. Like, you know what? Yeah. It's kind of like uh, breaking bad with the bell thing. Mm-hmm. Like eventually it's going to be like, so two yeses, Grogu, means you can use a sword with that? Right, yes. <laughs> um, so how how yeah. far does your Star Wars uh, fandom go? Because Star Wars is a huge franchise. They've got uh comic books they've got lego sets they've got action figures obviously um the video games you i've played multiple video games the comics you kind of ruined for me chuck because you you had you were right no no you were like pan up they're just gonna retcon it like they're just gonna change oh it's the dark vader comic line i don't care about anything because they literally have retcon stuff like um ahsoka's backstory of like how she got her lightsabers that's been changed multiple times so i don't care about the books all that stuff is constantly getting changed. Um, but yeah, video games like Jedi Survivor, I'm so psyched for. That for first game, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, I got it right when the pandemic started and that saved about three weeks of me not being bored. Because I almost, I think I was like 86 set complete, like getting every trophy on my first playthrough because I was like, stretch it out. And it's a great storyline. Uh, Rebel Assault 2 on PS1 truck where it came with two discs I don't know if you remember that game. We would go from like a stone. It would go from like a uh, first person cockpit view and then like, you know, you get shot down and all you're doing is standing behind like walls and you got poke out and shoot stormtroopers and keep going. Interesting. It was a really fun game. There was like, I think some third. Yeah, that was a really fun one. My brother beat it and I don't know how. I, I love that Battlefront 2 is still like, I still see TikTok videos of people doing stuff in Battlefront 2 and I love that that game is still active as old as it is because that to me is that's my perfect star wars video game experience i actually love that game is playing battlefront 2 yeah you guys are jealous because you were you were born into the battle for you you got to go into it i was raised in the battlefront <laughs> mainly because the dlcs took forever and you guys got everything for free i think yeah yeah <laughs> no it's true to it's say really that it's gonna suck. It's the same thing that's going to happen now with the Marvel Avengers game is that like they just unlocked everything for right well because they're knocking down the servers in the fall. That's so, so crappy. Like yeah. I'm just like, like the downloadable content characters, all the costumes, all of it is all just like here you go. We're you know we're sh- we're closing up shop in about six months, so here's everything. See, you could you had to like work for it when we had it on the PlayStation Plus account. Like you yeah. had to like work your way into getting a character 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah, there was still like that element. Of like it. the characters came for free, but in order to get like different costumes, you would have to like either you'd have to spend real people money or you'd have to build you'd have to grind to get enough points to to get the like Captain America Endgame costume. And now they just all come for free. Oh, no, I meant for the Star Wars one. Oh, it's loot box. When it was on PlayStation Plus, you were like you would have to play a level to get access to a new player and it was like I had to grind a couple levels to get to the part where like they have like a Han Solo and Chewbacca right. and everything else but I really liked playing that when I, we had it connected online mm-hmm. um, but like now we just have a disc of it yeah, and, and just been playing it offline and I love it it's a matter of I need to get better at first person shooter style stuff I'm really bad at it <laughs> yeah and that game that game was very excellent with game. Oh, once they added like Geonosis and all that, it just sucked that they ended it March 2020 and it could have been so much more. The PC mods on YouTube, go look them up. There's some great ones. There's people when they added Django Fett, uh, a lot of Clone War era characters. It's been great. Yeah, I've been, I've been saying for probably the last couple of years since I've been playing it that like you could right now drop a Mandalorian skin for Boba Fett and a Grogu skin for Yoda and charge $20 and like I'd pay it. Dude, I don't get how, like, in the first game, granted, it had no story campaign and, like, it was just very gimmicky. It wasn't as great, the 2015 battle for it. But you know what I miss, especially after watching Andor? I'm like, I miss Krennic in the game. Like, they had villains like that in the first one. Yeah. And, like, I've loved to play as Cassie in Andor because he's, I don't know if you guys, uh, did you guys ever watch Andor? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Loved it. That? I think spoiled Star Wars fans because Tony Gower is not a Star Wars fan. He's like, oh, let me make Born Supremacy for you, Star Wars. Enjoy. Yeah, no, it was really it was a solid story writing. And I feel like there's so much of it, like, not to tread on, like, the political, but, like, there's so much of it that is relatable in certain areas to the point of where it was, like, really poignant. And so it's, like, it doesn't feel like as much of, a, like, a soft Star Wars story versus, like, even with Kenobi, like, there were little inferences to that, but, like, Andor feels, like, so different compared to everything else. And, like, I love Luthen and everybody. Like, there were so many dynamic characters in that. Oh, so good. I think a big part of it is that it's not overrun with Jedi. That, too. I think yeah. the, the fact that you're dealing with regular people in the universe and how they have to get by has a lot to do with, like, you're, you're kind of taking some of the magic the sorcery out of out of the uh, the universe a little bit by focusing on just normal people. But that's kind of like the argument sometimes, isn't it, Mike? Like everybody will be like, "Well, not every story has to be Skywalker centric." That is a growing. Not even Skywalker centric. It's like a lot of people do, and I I am kind of part of that. That's why I love Mandalorians ever since Knights of the Republic. So that's why this is appealed to me. But that and an Andor, it's so boots to the ground feeling. It's it like. Mon Mothma, guys, she literally just said, many Baffins died for this information. And now she was killing it like Game of Thrones. That was so much Game of Thrones political. Just the way she acted, like she got cast in a deleted scene 18 years ago, and then she put on Emmy Award working. That means George Lucas did see something. He might have sucked at directing actors, but he knew how to find them. It's really incredible. And in Skarsgård, that about when I was like taking notes and getting pop-ups ready in case you guys ask me stuff, <laughs> uh, I wanted to hype myself up. So I watched Vizsla and then I watched the Andor speech of No Way, uh, One Way Out, 
Yep. Yeah. I watched uh, Andor's mom speech, which is oh, my favorite. I've been telling people that I want uh, to be made into a brig and a brick that can be clock a fascist with it. And that's my that's my uh, my burial wishes. <laughs> so Mike Oxgard, he that good of an actor should not be in that kind of show. We got so spoiled. <laughs> we got so unspoiled. His his monologue about like I I've given everything is one of my favorite moments of it. I watched it. A, that's one I've repeatedly watched a couple times already. I'm honestly debating getting that as like a part of it. Like uh, my friend has always wanted. Like he wants to do a Star Wars tattoo on me, and that like I burn my life so another can see the sun that line i want that under my star wars tattoo. you oh that'd be cool so mike we will absolutely be having you on the show probably multiple times to really go into different star wars whether it's characters or movies or games or whatever like that yeah, yeah. but i got a couple more questions just in the general before we go for you. um first of all i'm curious this this is always interesting to me what was star wars to you first was it like an action figure or was it a movie movie definitely did you have star wars figures before you saw a movie when you were young i mean my brother like had some that i couldn't touch because they were collector items but like i i I remember we had a snow speeder and i threw it down a pool table like you know when like the balls come in yep the pool table got thrown out and i lost my snow speeder oh wow but no it's mainly the movie without star wars i don't think i'd be this big of a tv movie like star wars is the birthplace of my Animal, you got to know me. I post everything. I watch everything. I, oh yeah, I watch it all. Well, and that's another question I had for you. Actually, um, that like when we talked last week about Tony Hawk, um, was there ever a point where Star Wars lost you for a little bit? Was there ever a point where your fandom kind of waned a little bit and then you came back, or have you always just constantly Star Wars is your thing? It definitely waned after episode three. Um, we didn't have cable in my room growing up, so like I didn't know Clone Wars was a thing until about 2011 because I heard the rumors of Darth Maul coming back. And I'm like, wait a second. And it's Sam Witwer, who is part of my favorite like arcade Jedi game, Force Unleashed. Okay. And then, like, yeah, they dropped on Netflix and I binged watch Clone Wars, not in order. And then I did it in order and I'm like, let's go. This is amazing. Like, and then forced, and then, you know, Lucas bought it. So that's kind of like where I joke around with you. Superhero movies filled that void for me. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny. A year after, like, Star Wars stopped being made, I watched The Departed at like 13. Or, like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm saying, like, yeah, without Star Wars, I don't think I would be this big of a movie guy. I think what I'm gleaning from this, uh, this particular conversation is that we're all very lucky you didn't go into a life of crime. <laughs> and we have Star Wars to thank for it. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I probably would have played more sports. Let's be honest. Probably <laughs> well, I mean, a lightsaber in the bat in the backyard. Maybe I would have chucked the football a little bit more, thrown a baseball, or you would have gone into being a steady. <laughs> Jeez. Um. But real quick, before you guys let me go, uh, can we get a little spoilers with the Mandalorian? Real quick. Or yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's 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 talk. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast here, you're watching us on YouTube. Um. You you definitely if you haven't caught up to at least the second to last episode of Mandalorian, you're definitely going to want to like, I don't know, fast forward past this bit or maybe turn the audio down for like the next five minutes or so. All right, Mike, go. <laughs> okay. So first of all, do you guys feel lost with all these new characters like Bo-Katan or like Cad Bane and all this stuff? Like, do you guys feel like you know what's going on with the Mandalorian culture? I mean, like we don't know anything around like 
what anything with like Clone Wars or any of the shows that they were in in the animated series. Okay. I know that at one point you sent me a Cad Bane video that I watched, so that part made sense to me. But I don't know much about Bo-Katan in general. So you kind of like, you like her now, like her character? Arc. Yeah, I like her. I, I think she's cool. I think I like her more, not to be not to be blasphemous, but I think I like her more than what I've seen of Ahsoka so far. Yeah, you just, you've had like an episode and a half of Ahsoka. So you don't yeah, I've only gotten that. really like, like live action Ahsoka. I don't know anything about. What's the last four episodes? Of- just watch Rebels. That's all you guys really need to watch. <laughs> hey, I watched like the first season of Rebels. We watched TV. some. So every time one of them pops up in a trailer or something like that, I'm like, oh my God, it's Chopper. Sabine looks amazing. Um, no. Uh, we're past Vizsla going down. Were you guys marking out with like, he actually, I thought he was just to instantly get du- gunned down by all of them while you're shooting. That is one of the coolest Star Wars moments I've seen in the past five effing years. When he closed the door, I said, sir, you have a son. <laughs> yeah. What are you what? doing? Because that was honor, Chuck. Him being a Mandalorian, though, I think it's more of him. He's the enforcer of the clan. Yeah. It's his duty. It's his way. He has. Yeah. He puts them before his son. So it is kind of like the thing. Well, because his son too, was part of like the royal, yeah, they're like leader. first Jedi. Yeah, first and only Jedi. They're, they're descendants of the Dark Seed. So yeah. him going out, I thought, well, okay, he's just about the plaster over here. Him smacking it. And the patrolling guards, I'm like, it just, bothers me. It bothers me that his Gatling gun does not rotate. <laughs> right, I know it would have looked so cool, like Jesse Ventura and Predator. It would have been yep. awesome. Yeah, why does he have a Gatling gun with three barrels if it's not going to rotate? <laughs> Agreed. Uh, there but, was that him getting stabbed by the guards. I was like, that was brutal. That was like the carriage has been a quick like, yeah, no, but there's a <laughs> like no brutality. I, I was like, that. oof. So there's two crazy theories going around because uh, the episode was titled The Spies. Yeah. Um, fuck the armorer. That's a rumor going on because her and Moff Gideon both had spites, which means the last time they had him, those were Mandalorians who helped Darth Maul take over Mandalore and followed him. And a lot of them ended up joining the Empire after his uh, rule was quick and short, but cruel as hell. Great comic. Um, And then also, I wonder... If Bo- they're saying Boba Fett's coming back, so <clears throat> I'm very curious about how Boba Fett's going to get played into this. When they when they named the uh, when they named the episode "The Spies," I expected the entire episode. I expected a double cross. I expected either the the Bo-Katan's former crew that are now her crew again. I expected them to double cross them and be the ones that had busted out uh, the big bad. Or I expected. I even. Not having the reference you do of Clone Wars for Bo-Katan, I don't even trust her. Yeah, that's been a, a thing. Like, not trusting her. Uh, I didn't trust the guys that kind of looked like pirates at first. I agree. Like, one, they one, were freaking you know? Fun fact, one of those guys is Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah! The one who has the droid's head out of it. I didn't realize that. I didn't either. I love how those guys are such nerds because wasn't the yeah. other guy that played the other guy in that twosome in the Final Fantasy? He was. He was the voice in the Final Fantasy remake. Yep. <laughs> so cool. But I'm, I can't wait to talk about like uh, hopefully maybe talk about the season as a whole because this is the perfect example of let Dave Filoni cook. I know. Yeah. 
This man has consumed eight seasons of television. No, 10 seasons of television combined in my life. Let the man cook. And he, made, and he was a director on Avatar. I, so, cer- I certainly agree because like this season feels different than the other seasons, but like I don't hate it. Not in a bad way. Like you were saying, there's a lot of characters in this season of The Mandalorian, but they're all... It's It's not like none of them are... None of them are shallow. Like they all get moments where you you see development and where you see that they're they're fully developed. You know, they're full characters. They're not just like one or two lines and then you know off screen for the rest of it. With the exception of maybe Sasha Banks. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. finally gave Mercedes a line. <laughs> I tell you, wait. Uh, one cool thing they do there, uh, especially with the ones who don't take off the helmet. I like them based off their colors. I'm like, no, like the guy who led the assault in episode four with the, I call him white stripe blue helmet. The way he's calling out all the orders. I'm like, that guy, that's a leader. Follow that man. <laughs> I like him. I totally was feeling the thing about the armor though. Like she seems fishy to me. There's something going on here. Like, oh. Yeah, like even her taking that other group back to the fleet. Like, now she's got a plane. She's gone back up to the main thing. Who's to say she doesn't change? What if all those pirates she took up there are spies with her? And they just yeah. take over the light cruiser. Second, I told Chuck, I was so freaked out that, like, the whole fleet was already going to be under attack. Yeah, and too. And then third, who else knows how to make Beskar armor? It's not easy to make. It's not just because, you know, Beskar melted. There's a certain way to craft it. So- right. And like they were going down there to check on the forge. It's like, why would she leave when they're checking on the forge? Yeah, why would she, she be the one that knows what to do? Yeah, like why wouldn't she ask for volunteers to take the injured back on the ship? Yeah. Well, maybe, but the thing is, though, not everyone could be a pilot. I've thought about that as well. Because then they don't have ships. This is the biggest fleet they have. So can you can you imagine living in the Star Wars universe but not being able to pilot? Oh my god! I would have to learn immediately. It'd be it's it's, it's even worse than people that don't know how to drive. In the yeah, universe, right? like you can't you can't pilot. You can't go off world. What is my? And on that note, my spaceship would definitely be Din's N one Space Fighter, which was like one of my favorite starships outside of the A wing. I don't know why it just looks like a, a World War Two B two to me. Like yeah, God, so it is a it look perfect, but. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, we will have you back in the future here. Uh, before we let you go, plug your podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us at the Two Guys One Lightsaber at Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else. Uh, we are trying to start our Instagram account as well, so you can follow us at Two Guys One Lightsaber as well. Or if you have any fan theory questions or ideas about Mandalorian or anything else Star Wars, DC, and Marvel as well, uh, be sure to hit us up at Two Guys One Lightsaber at gmail.com as well. All right, Mike, we will talk to you soon, and we're coming back with more of the Really Big Fan Podcast right after this. We're back with the Really Big Fan Podcast. Thanks again to Mike for joining us to talk about Star Wars. I'm sure we'll dig even deeper uh, in the coming months and and episodes with Mike about uh, probably Clone Wars. He knows a lot about Clone Wars. Eventually, he'll talk us into watching it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he did sort of get me that one time. He had me watch like a supercut of like the important stuff about Cad Bane. So I knew what was going on. Right. So there's that. <laughs> so, yeah, it is acronym and Chizuk here for the uh, for the final segment of the Really Big Fan podcast. And as always, our final segment is all about our serotonin boost. I always forget. I want to say it's like the melatonin boost. Yeah. That would be but that's sleepy. like that's sleep. I mean, but you are very sleepy. I'm very sleepy. I need, <laughs> I need a nap and it's only like noon. 
Um, so yeah, for our serotonin boost this week, I'd like to talk about a movie that we went and saw on Sunday. We have seen more movies in the last month than I think we've seen in a year. Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying them, and there's been a lot of really fun excuses to go to the movies. Last Sunday, we went and saw uh, one of my favorites, Nicolas Cage, in Renfield, and uh, great time. Absolutely great time. We had the theater, I think it was like, there was the four of us, and then there was like maybe five other people in the whole theater. Yeah. So like when when stuff goes down, when when very explosive uh, kind of action sequences happen, had no qualms about hoot and holler and having a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we couldn't contain it. There was a lot of jokes that were very centric to millennials that were punk. I'll yeah. leave it at that so I don't spoil it. There's a shout out to local ska band, Mustard Plug. Yeah, there we right go. The beginning. I thought that was great. Um, and Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage, even though I will say this, like if you expect to see Nicolas Cage on screen 90% of the time, that is not what you're signing up for, which I thought was interesting in the beginning. I was kind of like, this is weird. This is more focused on Renfield. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like I kind of thought like that they would give Nicolas Cage more screen time than him, despite it being called that. But I was pleasantly surprised. Also, Aquafina is great in anything that she does. She has been really good between Shang-Chi and now this movie. She's yeah. absolutely fantastic. We still need to watch Ocean's 8. She's also in that. Yeah, yeah, I would watch that. That would be pretty good. Uh, it's directed by Chris McKay, who did the Lego Batman movie and um, Lego Batman 2 and, and, and the Lego movie, I guess. And that's about it. Everything. And then he worked with uh, Adult Swim on a bunch of stuff. And it kind of it kind of shows... Yeah, it definitely does. And we we have this theory that, um, I, I say we, but it was you that said it, of Nicolas Cage did this just because somehow Taika Waititi told him he couldn't be in What We Do in the Shadows yes. until he played an actual vampire. So that's why this movie happened. That's, that's a, not real, but we're just saying that's no, the that's, reason. <laughs> that's, that's my theory, is that uh, Nicolas Cage really wants to be in What We Do in the Shadows after he saw the episode in the first season where there were all the vampires. And he called Taika and Jermaine and they were like, but you haven't played a vampire. He's like, I was in Vampire's Kiss. It's like, yeah, but you were just crazy. You weren't an actual vampire. So then he got Robert Kirkman on the phone, who's an executive producer of this movie. <laughs> and was like, I need you to spend some of that Walking Dead money on a movie to make me into Dracula. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. <laughs> he, like the the credits too, they, they recreate some like classic Dracula scenes yes. with Nicolas Cage. And he's just like perfect. So great. Yeah. And there's a lot of needle drops. There are. They were really fun. Yeah. And they're like not abrasive once again. Like that's a big thing about needle drops for me. Like if it seems like it's too abrasive, then it takes you out of the scene. Sure. But I, I felt like all of that worked out real well. No, I would highly recommend it. It is uh, Army of Darkness level. Of, of both violent and funny. Yeah, like there's gore, but it's not gross. And that's what I was saying when we were leaving the theater is that it's, it's funny to me how the movie sets itself up to be a cartoonish type of reality so that when you do get to the gore sequences, you're not uh, grossed out or like overwhelmed with the amount of violence. You're more like it, it, it's it's like watching like the kick-ass movies or something yeah. like you've You've been pre-screened to like, this is going to be cartoonish and ridiculous. Yeah, so that was like, people get their arms ripped off or get a table put through them. You're like, ah, ah. Yeah, there was a lot of me going, oh. Yeah. <laughs> in the very, theater. Very Looney Tunes quality violence. <laughs> so yeah, Renfield is a good time. And uh, and just 
but a good time at the movie between Mario and Renfield. I hear the D&D movie is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to go see what with Sean? Uh, he wants to go see the new Evil Dead movie, and I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> so we'll see. It's been a while since I've seen like a down deep horror movie. Like I did watch the the first of this new versions of Evil Dead, and I remember seeing that in the trailer, like the girl takes a knife to her tongue and splits it, and I was like, yeah. nope, nope. Done. I don't want any of that. And then, like, there's some, there's some like eyeball gore or something in the trailer for this one. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle this one. Y'all are on your own with that. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> My serotonin boost for the week. And I, I asked before I did this because I was like, is that too much? But my serotonin boost for the week is it's 420 tomorrow. Yeah. Like I, I've got lots of stuff I'm doing and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, there's definitely going to be some like different for the locals around here. There's definitely going to be parties at pretty much every dispensary. So if you want to get some swag, some freebies, see some cool people pop up at your nearest dispensary and see if something's going on because... There's quite a bit happening. There's even events going on at the Peterborough, the Tangent, like at nighttime. There's a lot. I could have swore that um, the Hash Bash was like a 420 event. It is, but they always do it the first weekend of April. That's what I'm saying. Like, did they move it to the first weekend of April once it, everything got kind of legalized here? No, it um, actually there was. So there was a specific date in which they always protested. But when they started doing it on the specific date, they realized the date would move. Like, so it was happening in the middle of the week. So then nobody was coming to so the thing. First weekend. So they went first weekend in April uh, since I think like the 80s or something like so that. So it's been there ever since. They decided business in the front, party in the back. Pretty much, yeah. Protest in the sure. theater in April, then a couple weeks later you celebrate that. Exactly. You did get arrested. Well, and uh, if you think too, um, I mean, I don't know what the origin story necessarily is of the numbers 420, surprisingly. Like, I don't, I, I feel like most stoners don't. Yeah, but don't for that specifically in Michigan, Hash Bash is, is first and foremost a protest. And then they have like the Monroe Street Fair, which is like the party part of it. And I feel like if you did the protesting on 420 you would lose a lot of those people that are going to get those deals yeah, as well but nobody expected us to get to this point like everybody hoped that we would have legalization but we didn't get to a point where like we knew it was happening like when i first went to hash bash i was like 11 so i wouldn't have known any like any of this was coming right but as time goes on and we started to get you know medically legal and now recreationally legal I feel like people would be, it would be more like the Black Friday scenario where everybody would be like, you know, it's cool that there's a protest going on, but we're going to go get the deals and the grab bags and stuff. So it makes more sense that they keep it where it is and not try to put it in as a 420 party, because I think you also lose that message of it being a protest. You already kind of get that with some people where they just go to the Monroe Street Fair and they don't listen to the, for lack of a better term, old heads talk about the struggle it took to get here. Right. So that is my little PSA for the day and all of that. I didn't mean to get so technical. If you'd like to know more like about know more, the I cannabis am, industry. Yes, uh, I am at Acronym Is Everywhere. Yep. And not Acronym Is Everywhere, but Acronym Is on all social platforms. And I share a lot of that type of content, promotional stuff, what things I like, what products I like, that sort of thing. And try to, you know, 
normalize the stigma because at the end of the day, like, you know, if I were talking about this right now and I were smoking, we'd probably be in jeopardy of losing the channel. And that's what a lot of things (laughs) are when it comes to cannabis overall. So I'm lucky that, you know, I, I had to make a new account. I did get dinged once and lost all of my followers and had to start over. But hopefully in a couple of years, it won't be as big of a deal or, you know, global warming will hit and we'll all be dead. <laughs> and with that, we'll leave you with this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. You can, of course, check us out on all the social media at Really Big Fan Pod. Was it on Instagram? We have 69 followers. Yes, we have 69 followers. So don't follow us on Instagram because we have 69. <laughs> we want to keep that number. Follow us on Twitter. Oh, follow us on unless you want us to be 1,600 and 69,000. Right. You and I, I can't do the math quickly, but if you and like 6,899 friends want to join, then please bring all the people. We also do have now it's even easier to access us from Instagram. Instagram just released a new uh, feature where we can add up to five links. So now you should be able to, if anytime you see us, like we're going live, go in and just hit that link button once and it'll give you all five links and then you can click directly to Twitch. It'll make it a lot easier for everybody to watch. Excellent. And you can find me streaming video games and uh, sometimes you'll stream video games. Yep. Once I, I, I'm still waiting for you. Like you've been playing Tony Hawk like a mother. For the last yeah, couple of weeks, yeah. I'm waiting for you to decide that you are you feel confident enough to stream it. Yes, I will be streaming. I kind of needed to remind myself where some stuff was and sure. work through some problems. Because I want to make sure I'm not boring you guys with like the learning curve of remembering certain things. Right. But I think I'm going to do my fake speed run, as you don't like me calling it. Because it's, uh, it's not a speed run, but I'm going to go play. through. I'm going to start from the beginning and play it on the stream and see how far I get. So I'm going to try to do that. It's probably not going to be this week just because of all the 420 shenanigans. I swear at some point I'll be done with Breath of the Wild and I'll stream something else on the channel. (laughs) But until then, you can find me uh, streaming usually on Mondays uh, at the very least over at uh, Really Big Fan Pod on uh, on Twitch. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to contribute and help us uh, afford to be able to bring this to you every week. And uh, I believe I even put a donate button at the bottom of the Twitch page now. So if you want to throw donations, you don't want to subscribe to Patreon or something like that, it is there. We'll be back next week with another really big fan pod. We're setting up an interview as we speak for uh, that particular one. We'll, We'll talk to you then. And until then, have yourself a fantastic week. What do you think the biggest stoner is in the Ninja Turtles? I mean, those dudes get munchies, clearly. They eat a lot of pizza. Yeah. And a lot of weird combination pizza. I feel like the easy answer is Michelangelo, and that means that's probably not the right answer. I mean, that tracks with me. I've always gravitated toward Mikey because he's the silliest. Right. He's the, he like the, the theme song used to say, uh, Michelangelo's a party dude. Yeah. So like that lends itself. I feel like I feel like maybe it's Donatello because he's always building stuff. Like I mean, he just gets stimming, high, though. He just gets high and hyper focuses. Yeah. And builds like he he's probably got the best rig 
out of you know yeah he would probably have the the all the turp slurpers right. and the the glass ball and everything raf probably gets stoned a lot because he's always angry so it probably chills him out calms him down stops him from wanting to i the only the only person in the ninja turtles i do i think doesn't get high as leonardo yeah he's, he's such a schoolboy that i don't think he in fact uh i believe um so here's my head cannon the turtles discovered marijuana when one of them found it in Splinter's room. Because Splinter gets high. See, I was going to say, maybe that they they found it at that place when they had to go save April from the, the plant that she inhaled that got delivered to the studio. Oh, right. That maybe one it's of them found it. It's funny that you've absorbed one of the cartoons. Yes, yes. <laughs> but like they go and they have to get that special herb and then I, I they only send two turtles. So if Mikey is part of those turtles, he's the one that brought it back. Brought it back. And once April was fine, he's like, Hey, I found this other herb. It turns all your bad feelings into good feelings. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I feel like Splinter's into like the Eastern mysticism stuff, so like he'd see oh, he'd been getting high for yeah, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and he didn't. And once he found out that, like, the he like he knew he's he's a rat too, so he's got a good sense of smell. Like he knew uh, as soon as Michelangelo toked up for the first time. <laughs> I wonder if Splinter is like super snobby about wet weed because he can smell so good. Maybe he's like, no, Maybe. that's that's bunk that's banger weed dude. but i also feel like it's the kind of thing that like the whole family keeps from leonardo yeah because leonardo would be so heartbroken yeah he'd be absolutely heartbroken to you know his dad smokes i can't believe you guys do drugs exactly <laughs> how do you think we come up with all of these good pizza recipes man <laughs> how do you think i got the idea to paint teenage mutant ninja turtles on a blimp <laughs> it was high as balls that always bothered me, even as a kid. It, Ninja is in the name. Yeah. Why? Why do you have your logo on a blimp? Everyone's gonna know it's you. Like you can't, you can't do ninja shit when you're riding a blimp that has your your brand name on it. Well, I mean, the foot is pretty prominent already at this point, so it's like if they everybody knows the turtles exist, right? At least in the cartoon, like. It's on the news. They're at the grocery store freaking people out. <laughs> well, yeah, they definitely, with the cartoon, they definitely uh, bypass the whole ninja idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe that's why over in uh, Europe, they call them hero turtles instead. They're just not very subtle. Bitches ain't ninjas. If they're smoking weed, you can probably smell them from a mile away anyway. They live in a sewer. I guarantee you can smell them from a mile away. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense then. If they hide in the sewers, they can hide the smoke smell, which means that they don't have to lose their security deposit. There you go. 